welcome to Making Sense of Movies. I'm Claire. I'm Elena. And today we're covering um, the topic of film bros, which is, according to Urban Dictionary, a person who views themselves as a huge film nerd while having a mostly surface-level knowledge of movies. Um, and just to be clear, we're obviously not trying to shame anyone who likes these movies since they're like popular for a reason. Um, and connect with, like, a wide audience, but we have found that this is, like, a very loud group of people who often attack others. Um, so we kind of wanted to cover the, um, the movies that we found in most lists that talked about film bros. Also, we're not saying any of these movies are bad, although we might not have liked all the movies that we're mentioning. We just think that there's a very, like, anytime you talk to, you know, a guy about, like, what's his favorite movies, one of these is bound to come up on his list, and they're quite, how do you say it, Claire, uh, passionate about it, and you tend not to see flaws in anything. So that can be quite frustrating when you're trying to kind of say your own opinion, and they just don't hear it because it's not one of these movies. So this this is our frustration with film bros and with that. It's not that they have bad taste in movies, it's just that they don't allow others to have opinions. Oh, in, yeah. in, our, in, our, in our personal experience. Yeah, and right off the bat, we are going to say that Pulp Fiction, while it is the, the King film bro movie, we kind of just didn't want to talk about it, so that's not on the list, even though we do recognize that's the movie. Another honorary film bro movie is Fight Club. This is a mm-hmm. definite film bro movie. We just didn't want to watch it. So <laughs> this, this, this is on us. This is on us, y'all. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's just... We didn't want to watch it. We decided to do another movie. It's not because we don't like Fight Club. We just think, you know, it's a one-watch sort of movie. Yeah. It, it doesn't get it better the more times you watch it. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, let's start off with our first one. And this one is going to be uh, Scarface. What do you think okay. about this, Claire? Oh, um, you know, this is a really long movie. And it certainly has its moments. Because it's, like, kind of like a rags-to-riches story. Yeah. Where you're watching... Um, Oh, what's his name? Um, to- oh, Tony, of course. Tony Montana. Like, Tony Montana. Start off from, like, having nothing to, like, having everything. And then along the way, like, he loses all of his morals. Because um, he did have, like, a set of morals in the beginning. He like, kind he of had a set of morals. He kind of did. Like, he wouldn't... He was trying to, like, keep the children out of it, trying to keep the women out of it. Yes. But as he gets more and more, he, like, first of all decides that, like... Or realizes that he's still unhappy, sort of. I don't think um, he's ever happy in this movie. His entire state is him yelling, getting angry. He doesn't seem to have, like, other emotions. Yeah. Um, so if you don't know what this movie's about, this is actually a remake from a movie in 1932. So this is about um, a man from Cuba, Tony Montana, who basically rises to power in the cocaine industry in Miami. So if you don't know this, most of this movie stars white men. None of them are of Cuban descent. The only one who actually is Cuban of, like, the men, the main characters, is Manny, who's played by Stephen Bauer. But if, yeah, our main character is white. Um, You can probably tell us by his own accent in the movie. (laughs) So that was quite unfortunate. It is Al Pacino, so, like, you know, I think this is definitely one of the movies that kind of put him on the map, at least. You know, for me, I was watching it, and I was like, is that Al Pacino? And I was like, oh, it is, like... I kind of, I see him in, like, Hunters now, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot he was once this character. (laughs) You see, and this is, like, a really popular movie, but I feel like the last scene is usually the only scene that people remember. Yeah, so in the last scene, um, 
people come to kill Tony Montana and he shoots them with like a machine gun and then he finally dies after being shot like 12 times and it's kind of like the camera kind of pulls away and this and he has this big red room that like people were shooting at him and the guy's walking down the stairs and he falls and into the pool get, like the classic line you want to play rough okay say hello to my little friend which yes is very much quoted Yes. I have to say, this movie definitely, I would say, did not age well. Do you think it aged well? No, I don't. Um, um, they're very yeah. anti-homosexuality. Um, <laughs> so in the beginning of the movie, he's come from Cuba, and they're, they're like, oh, like, do you like men? And he's like, why? Like, like the immigration is asking him this. And I'm just <laughs> like, oh, God. Like, and they had, like, you know, gay jokes that were not quite funny. Also, the way the men treat women in this movie, not great at all. Like, the, the one dinner scene where he's, like, totally insulting his wife, talking about, like, oh, she's good for nothing. Like, all she does is, like, use drugs when it's, like, okay, Tony, you, like, you sell drugs. Like, what? Um, and he's just saying, like, and the one thing that stuck with me from that scene is he was insulting her because she, like, can't even have a baby. Can't even have a baby. Because she's, like, um, a, a drug addict. But also, like... I I kind of I wanted her character to be explored more because she's someone who is constantly like telling Tony no, and they somehow get married, and I'm so yeah. confused. Like Tony would come on to her, he forcefully kissed her at one point, and she doesn't want to kiss him yet. She's also like marries this guy, and I'm like, well, if she never wanted to be with him. Why would she marry him in the end? Mm-hmm. It's just like it didn't really make sense. Like maybe she wanted you know access to drugs is what it kind of seems like, but she seemed very capable of being able to stand up for herself especially when it came to tony like she's always telling him no and yeah i do also think this movie like it did it did at some point like glorify obviously the drug business and violence because there's one scene with a chainsaw claire oh yeah yeah they just chainsaw someone's body that was a lot of blood and like you know gunshots everywhere i feel like that one guy who was hung from the helicopter yeah Oh, the hot, yeah. Oh, that was so was so, like, wild. A lot of glorifying violence. But sure. I feel like Tony's yeah. never happy. Like mm-hmm. the way I saw it at the end was like he just dies. Like no one liked him. Mm-hmm. He dies from his own like people he was working with because he fucked up. He kills a lot of people, and I don't know. I feel like he was never happy, and like yeah. he kind of mm-hmm. got what he deserved. And maybe like that's not how other people. Maybe that wasn't like the intention of his character, but I felt like he was always angry, always yelling, and, like, he was talking about how, like, you know, he deserved more, but, like, as someone who was watching it, I kind of felt like it was, it was just, he wasn't, maybe he shouldn't have died like that, but, like, you know, he didn't have this happy ending and glorification at the end, but, like, maybe people view that in a different light. Yeah, I think a lot of people view it as him, like, from the beginning, some, he is someone who, like, always has seen himself with, like, He's got nothing to lose, so he's just, like, always willing to risk it all. That's true. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. But the worst scene for me is when... I, my favorite character in this was uh, the sister. Really? Yeah, I really like the sister. Just because, I don't know, I thought... I, I do not... I don't know. But I hate when Tony shoots... Manny. Um, Manny. That That's was, so like, sad. my least favorite scene. Yeah. I also don't understand how Manny gets with Gina, which is Tony's sister, because through that the whole movie, Manny's, like, kind of gross to girls. Yeah. And, like, yeah. and, like, and no girl, like, you know, like, is with Manny. Like, he's gross, and everyone rejects him. <laughs> so I'm just yeah. like, I don't know how he got with Gina. But she, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
because he got yeah it was just like a weird it was always been like a weird dynamic between uh tony and gina because like he's obviously like super overprotective of her like i don't know he just like wants to be like bigger than he is and like totally yeah. just intervening in her life and like he brings manny into her life and then sees it like brings it upon himself to then like stop that from happening so gina doesn't get involved in the world he's involved in yeah i seem like he's definitely like very protective of her like he sees it as his duty to protect his sister but he's also introduced her to this world so he doesn't yeah. like quite understand like the consequences like he's part of a drug business if he's bringing her in she's going to get exposed to the people he hangs out with and then he gets angry at her for you know being with these people so like that's what i don't understand like he doesn't quite think about like what bringing his sister in will be and he also thinks of his sister as just like this little girl when like she's this grown woman who kind of has her own voice and has her own say but you know we don't really get to see that quite as much yeah no i completely agree that. Yeah. What do you think makes this movie a film bro movie, Claire? I was just about to ask you that, and <laughs> I really just think it's kind of your, like, your classic gang movie, you know? Yeah. I like, wouldn't say they're not, like, gang. I think, like, definitely drug lord-esque. Yeah. But it's just, like, kind of in that realm. It is, like, just very, very violent, and yeah, I feel like whether you, like, Tony is just, like, a very extravagant character, and while mm-hmm. you're not, oh, like, definitely not always rooting for him, he's, like, fun to watch. Yeah. I feel like someone could find him, like, definitely find him and, like, his story very appealing. Yeah, I definitely don't think I can watch this movie more than once. If you don't know, yeah. it's, I didn't realize this, it's two hours and 15 minutes long. It's almost three hours. Mm-hmm. I 100% do not think this should have been three hours. It was, and I, <laughs> I understand, like, in some way why like this movie represents kind of like the excess of the 80s like his house where i think they did a really great job of kind of showing the different rooms they had his office which was all black and like marble and then they had his bathroom which is really white and he had this huge tub and then he had the red room which like led up to his office and had this pool and these two staircases and it was kind of like this thing of like oh excess you know he's snorting mountains of cocaine but like mm-hmm. that, like i get it i just don't I just think it was more of, like, a flashy move and not exactly, like, a well-thought-out move. Because I, I, have, I have to stop halfway through and go do something else. Because I was like, I can't sit here for three hours. Yeah, I, one of the reasons I think it... Like, I... The runtime definitely makes it hard to rewatch. Definitely. But I think it's necessary for Tony's character. Because since he is sort of, in my opinion, like, unlikable... It's like the whole movie's trying to convince you to, like, stay with him. Like, yeah. you've just seen so much of him, like, you have to see it through. There's, That's at least how I saw yeah, it. Yeah, I have to admit, there's no point that I was, like, super bored, which is, like, a, pre- a pretty rarity when it comes to most movies these days. I tend to think a lot of movies are quite long and they don't need to be. Like, obviously, I think this is too long, but there's no point where I was, like, oh, I'm totally bored. Like, I wish I could just skip over. Because I do think every part was necessary mm-hmm. in his own, like, transformation. I just... You know, I just don't wish it was three hours long, you know? Yeah. Wish they no, could have told I, the story uh, in a shorter... Yeah. Any last... Yeah, no, I think... Oh, the other thing I was going to say, like, just a fun fact, is I the opening crawl in the beginning, mm-hmm. um, most people usually only... Usually the only other movie that does that, that people know of, is Star Wars. But oh. Brian De Palma actually convinced George Lucas to do a crawl scene for Star Wars. Oh. Um, and I feel like that's just a, a fact that goes... Um, Un- untalked about, but Brian De Palma was, like, really Started it all? George- yeah, no, him and George Lucas and, like, Steven Spielberg 
and Martin Scorsese, like, they were all buddy buddies um, back in the day. So they always, always like, talk about, um, just, like, try to help each other with their movies. And that was advice that Brian had given to George. So, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and I think, want to move on to our next movie? Yeah, so our next movie is Reservoir Dogs from 1992. Um, we one can, of Quentin Tarantino's first. Yeah, we could not talk, talk about film bro movies without talking about the ultimate film bro himself, Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> Tarantino. Claire knows okay. I'm not a but huge like, Quentin Tarantino fan. Um, mm-hmm. I can save my own opinions for later. I was surprised by how much I actually liked this movie. Yeah, this is definitely one of my favorites of his. I was so shook. I was expecting it to be... And like, there's some things where I expected it and it happened. Um, but I, I really liked... I think the one thing I liked about this movie and why I ended up liking it as a whole was that um, it's told in such an interesting way. So if you don't know what the movie's about, it follows a heist crew stealing diamonds. But you never see them actually steal the diamonds... You start in the beginning, right before they're about to, at, like, a diner. And then you cut through right after at a safe house when, they're, when they get back. And kind of how each person is recruited into this heist. Yeah, and, and one of the main things they talk about is how there's, like, a rat in their group. Someone who's working with the police who's, like, screwed up their whole operation. So, like, while they're in this one warehouse, they're also trying to figure out, like, which one are fighting about which one of them like sold them out yeah and through this whole point like you're not you're given kind of clues like you have to figure out for yourself like in the beginning like you don't know who these people are why they're there what what they do because you cut from them the starting scene is all these men um talking about um like a virgin by madonna or not men quinn tarantino is in this film he's the one talking about like a virgin and they're at this diner and they're like first quentin tarantino cameo ever i like I was so glad when his character got killed off. Yeah, first. same. Like, it's like it was unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so they they kind of have this like pre breakfast. They're all dressed exactly the same in these like white shirts, black um, you know coat sort of thing. And then they head out, and then the credits happen. And then as soon as the credits are done, all the credits are done on this black screen. You hear this guy start yelling. It's this guy in the back of the car, and he's bloody, and he's talking about how he's gonna die. And you don't know how he got there, and you don't know where everyone else is. I think that was just, like, a good way to, like, jump into it. Like, this movie, I think, the timing of it is so well done. Like, it's it's not very long. I think it's, like, maybe an hour and 40 minutes. Um, uh-huh. And it just uses its time really well, and it doesn't waste anything, I feel. Yeah, because you – I no, I totally agree. Like, you spend some time just, like, hanging out with them, which is fun because hearing them all, just, like, dissect the song like a virgin and them just, like, telling their own stories, like, that's fun. But then they waste no time to get to, like, okay, this is a plot. We're going to, like, cut right to it. Yeah. Not going to show the diamond scene. Yeah. One of the conversations I really liked was Steve Buscemi's character. And he's, his character was such a dick, but he was talking about how... I hated his character. He doesn't like, he doesn't like to tip. Yeah, I talked about that, too. So all of the characters have colored names. So Steve Buscemi is Mr. Pink. And obviously, like, you realize later it's because, you know, they don't want to know anyone's real name. But yeah, so he's he's annoying. He's probably like the most annoying character. Um, but yes, what else? Um, yeah, so the things that what the things I didn't like about this movie, I think, was in sense like those downtimes you had where the characters were kind of just talking, which like I don't know how to explain it. It's just like it's not when any of the action is happening. It's when they're kind of talking to each other, either when kind of before the heist, when they're in in cars or talking or getting ready for the heist. Those are kind of the moments where I was like. 
did this need to happen? And the reason is because they tend to talk about, you know, sexist things. They tend to talk about, you know, racist and using the N-word quite a lot for white men in this movie, even though they shouldn't be doing that. And, like, yes, it's, it's an old movie, but there's kind of, like, no excuse for any of these men. And there's, like, you can show that they're, you know, terrible people without having to do that. And those are the points where I was like, okay, like, this didn't need to happen. Like, he could, he didn't have to write these into his script, you know? I don't know. I felt like there, I personally enjoyed watching those scenes. Like, there's the one scene where, um, I forget what, um, what code name this guy went by, but the undercover cop guy was talking Mr. Orange. Oh, Mr. White? Mr. Orange is the undercover cop. Okay, yeah. Uh, he was talking about this bath or this scene that took place in the bathroom where he had a bunch of drugs and um and the dog didn't notice. Yeah. The the another police dog. I I um, liked how that scene was done, but I don't think that scene was necessarily like the scenes that I'm talking about. It was like you know when they're like traveling in the car, or even like that beginning scene, like the <laughs> way they talk about other people. Where I was like, I'm like, you could have showed their character by not degrading other people, you know. Yeah. I think that that's more what I meant. Because the scene you're talking about is really cool. It's like the undercover cop. He has to memorize this story so he can kind of convince the people to put him on this heist. And it goes back and forth between him memorizing the story, him telling the story, and then as if he the story is actually happening. Mm-hmm. And I like personally like stylistically liked that. Yeah. No, that's definitely like one of my favorite parts of the movie. I'm trying to think what else. The one scene that like always makes me cringe like every single time is... The one guy who's, uh, so at one point there's an actual cop who comes in, mm-hmm. um, because they had thrown him in the back of the trunk, and this one guy, uh, just keeps on, like, well, cuts off his ear, and is, like, dancing to a song while, like, beating him up and, like, about yeah. to set him on fire, and that scene I always hate watching. Yeah, it's definitely, like, quite violent and, like, uncomfortable, but that's, that's also the scene where you finally realize who the cop is, so through the whole yeah. movie... The Mr. Orange, he gets shot, and he's basically lying down in the safe house. Like, everyone thinks he's passed out. Um, and then he shoots Mr. Blonde, who was kind of... He's kind of known as, like, the crazy guy. He just got out of jail. You realize through other people he shot he shot at, like, people in the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, like, about to kill this, burn this guy, the cop alive. And Mr. Orange, like, goes and shoots him, and you're like, oh, he's the cop. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever suspect that he was the cop? Because I feel like in the very beginning, since he was someone who got shot, you're like, oh, it couldn't have been him. Yeah, and that's what um, Larry or Mr. White, as he goes by, says. He's like, well, he he got shot for me. Like, why would he be a cop? Um, mm-hmm. And I thought they had, like, a very, like, father-son kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. As well, especially in the end. Um, he keeps asking, like, to be held by him because he's dying. <laughs> and then at the end, everyone dies. Oh, I thought the ending was, like, and I thought, I thought, like, Mr. Orange might live. No, Steve Buscemi doesn't die, does he? Do we assume? No, I'm pretty sure they all get shot by the cops who come in if they didn't shoot each other. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I mean, that's at least well, what I got from it. Oh, I guess just, okay, so at the end of the movie, um, there's, like, a standoff between three guys, um, and then they all, the three guys having the standoff all shoot each other and they all die. Yeah. And then the cops come, and the guy who, Mr. Orange, who's dying, and Mr. White, who's also been shot and dying, are both there. So I guess uh-huh. you assume, I guess you assume they die. What did you feel about that, like, narration-esque pl- 
like part it was like I guess it was it ended up being like a radio show. Oh yeah. That was oh gosh, a, I like forgot about that because that's kind of random, honestly. That is random. I was like watching it and I forgot when it when is it first mentioned. Um, so I think it's first it's first mentioned. I think um, after the diner scene, like when the credits are rolling. I think that's when it's happening because mm-hmm. I I wrote narrator and then why question mark and I'm still confused <laughs> with that and I still don't understand like and then you realize like later in the movie one of the guys turns on the radio and it's the same voice. So you're like, oh, that must be what it's about. But then it's all kind of, I don't know. Yeah, I honestly didn't really think anything of it. I was just like, take, I, I was taken aback by it. I did like the intro music. I do it. The music was not bad in this film. Oh, yeah, no, the music was really good. And I just also have to give this movie props just because it's like low budget, very character driven, really not that showy. It kind of just felt like, I guess, just raw, like this is what happened. So... Yeah, this is definitely one of my favorites of Tarantino's work. Yes. And any other comments? I think I've made my, my point. Yeah, I, I think I would I'm, say, I mean, I would the movie's say only, what, an hour and 39 minutes, so I think I've said my piece on Reservoir Dogs. That's true. I would say yeah. I was surprised by how much I liked it. I wouldn't say it's, like, okay, my yeah. favorite, but that's my okay. piece. <laughs> so our next movie is Star Wars Empire Strikes Back. And the reason I chose this movie, because, like, there's enough, I feel like there's not a lot of content in there that, like, is necessarily represented of, like, oh, this is a film bro movie. But over the years, there's been a lot of controversy about, like, the Star Wars fandom in general, especially with The Last Jedi coming out. And there was, like, a lot of people, like, film bros who were bashing that movie for being, like, oh, this is, like, too feminist. Like, there's, like a black stormtrooper, what's that all about? Like, just saying these insane things. So a lot of people, or a lot of those people would point back to, like, Empire Strikes Back as, like, this is the best movie. So that's sort of why I feel like this is on the list, because even though the other movies, like Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker, have more controversy around them, this is always the one that's, like, the, I guess, like, the film bro standard for Star Wars. I can I can say that I'm not like a huge Star Wars fan. Gotta admit that. Like I watch the movies. I don't think like I follow the fandom at all. But I did like this movie. I generally forgot what happened in this movie. I was watching it and I'm like, oh, this is the one where he sees Yoda. <laughs> and then like generally forgot what happened. All that like I was watching it and I'm tr- I was like trying to figure out like like obviously like I know what happens in the sense of like the story wise Star Wars. I definitely don't know what happens in like each individual movie. But I thought this was a really good one. I thoroughly uh-huh. I enjoyed it. Obviously, this is also the one where Luke finds out that Darth Vader is his father, which I do admit the twist is not as fun when you already know. Yeah, but I can't imagine what it must have been like in the theaters when you're like, oh my gosh. Like, That's true. That would have been crazy to see like in the moment, but I just feel like it's such common knowledge now. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like even when I watched it the first time, I didn't get that reaction. Yeah. You know? The one thing I really did like about this movie, I have to admit, special effects, very well done for yeah. for this movie. I also really liked kind of, like, the outside world. So they have, you start in, like, this snowy place, and there's all these, like, cool shots of, like, Luke walking in the snow, like, really far out. And then when he lands to whatever planet Yoda is on, it's, like, really foggy, and the shots are kind of, like, dark. I really liked, like, the cinematography and the care. Because, like, it really showed. I was, like, thoroughly impressed. Because I feel like when it comes to like, franchise films, 
especially like when I guess when you come to like Marvel and things like that, when it comes to like cinematography and style, they're kind of all the same. Uh-huh. And I feel like for this one, at least like maybe I haven't seen the Star Wars in a long time. This like stood out in style as well. Oh yeah, no, I completely agree. Like, um, Hoth is my favorite planet. Uh, where like the elephant? Oh no, not elephant walkers. Like the Imperial walkers. Walkers are those have always been my favorite. Um, yeah. Did they do those in clay claymation? Do you know? Uh, no, it, I. Th- I don't it looked think like they it. were clay, but they were. Oh, maybe they. I don't know. I don't know what material they were made out of, but they were definitely miniaturized. Like, yeah, it was really cool. I like that. Yeah. But honestly, like, out of all the Star Wars movies, I think this definitely isn't my favorite. Because I always feel like the middle part on, like, Dehuba when he's with Yoda, like, I always think that part's kind of slow. But oh, I, I kind of like, like that. And the when they're on Cloud City with, like, yeah. Lando Calrissian, super fun character. Um, yeah. And if you look closely, uh, I love also just, like, all the extras they have running around, whether it's, like, on Hoth. Or on um, Cloud City, there's, like, one guy, and if you look closely, he's carrying, like, a um, an ice cream maker. Oh, I didn't notice that. Which I always think is funny. But, like, <laughs> the practical effects are always really good. Yeah. And just the whole world feels, like, very lived in. I agree. I agree. I liked, I think also, I think what makes this movie, I feel like compared to, like, the first one, better is that you have a much more, like, emotional stake, especially this movie. Like, like the emotions and what's at stake is, I feel like, way higher because for the first yeah. one, it's a general, like, oh, the world ending, you know, if Darth Vader gets this. In this one, it's more like, okay, Luke's going to die, or Han and Leia are going to die, or Chewie, or C-3PO, you know? Like, you, you've you been with these characters. At least, like, for me, I was like, oh, no, like, when Chewie was sad, I was like, no, I don't want Chewie to be sad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and he's such a good character. He is. I love um, Chewie. The other scene that I just love, like, I just love the... Uh, how it's colored. Um, yeah. Is the very end with Han saying, like, or no, Leia's being like, I love you. And he's like, I know. And then he gets put down into the, um, whatever, the cryo chamber. Yeah. Uh, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, I liked the comb. there on Cloud City, everything's like a really bright white, kind of like mm-hmm. a contrast to whoever's there. I also like we get introduced to Lando. That was quite fun. I feel like this movie had a lot of like fun bits in it, you know? Like Yoda's here. Lando's here, you know, we figure out, like, you know, about Darth Vader a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I feel like this had all, like, the, the, like, pop culture moments in this film. I just, like, generally forgot about it and was, like, pleasantly surprised. Yeah. No, I agree. And the other thing I just love about these Star Wars movies in general is just, like, the comedy they have in it. Like, I don't have any particular examples, but it feels very much in the world instead of, like, trying to relate to audiences today if that makes sense yeah i get that yeah i was watching a chicago fire episode and there were like so many references to like i think like 2012 or something and i was like this is cringy to watch now yeah because that way like you could always watch this movie and it will always feel the same to you you know yeah i agree i think it's definitely like a classic in the sense that like you don't need to be like you know watching it in the theaters at that time to still like understand how how everything works you know, and mm-hmm. the jokes and everything like that. Yeah. I would say, yeah, it's definitely, definitely good. Yeah, so this is definitely one of the, I feel like out of all the movies we list, Empire Strikes Back is definitely the outlier to it, to all these movies, because it doesn't really have, like, I don't know, any grotesque violence, more family-oriented yeah. in a way. I agree. There's um, not a ton of, like, fight scenes, I feel. Because mm-hmm. you have that big fight scene and the beginning and basically the fight scene at the end. Yeah. 
Um, do, I mean, do you have anything else to add? Not really. I like Star Wars is not my, my biggest, you know, film franchise that I love, but I did enjoy this movie. So I would say definitely A-OK, definitely recommend. Um, you know, don't let anyone put you down if you don't like Star Wars. It's fine. <laughs> not not a big deal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess the other thing is, like, I love the swipe transitions. Don't get I enough do. swipe transitions in movies today. I do. I think the swipe transitions, I feel like, work more here than they did in, like, The Last Jedi. Not The Last Jedi. What was it? What's the newest one that just came oh, out? Oh, uh, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I feel like Rise of Skywalker, like, I remember watching it and being like, why are there swipe transitions? Just because... <sighs> and, and, like, not, not because, like... I didn't realize they were referencing old. I was like, it didn't feel like within this universe, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like with there, like, they kind of made sense. And then in the newer films, they're putting it there to, like, invoke this nostalgia, but they don't quite make sense within, like, the space of the film. If you like, un- next time I go back and rewatch Rise of Skywalker, I'll definitely look out for that. Yeah. I just felt like they were more organic here, and I, like, definitely noticed them more. Like, I was like, oh, it's another strike transition. Like, let's go. <laughs> And here, I, like, I literally, you said that, and I was like, oh, yeah, those happened. Yeah. Just because it was, like, so ingrained with how, I think, like, the plot was going. All right. Well, um, the next movie is um, The Dark Knight by Christopher Nolan. Uh, Which, 2008. we might add, I think might be the most film bro movie of its time. It is oh, both critically so. acclaimed and a comic book movie. Yeah, also- this movie was um, the reason they moved the Oscars from having five Best Picture nominees to ten is, uh, there was backlash because this movie wasn't nominated. Just, you know, I, I guess nothing can do it like, like, The Dark Knight. <laughs> Alright, so let's hear, what, what are your opinions on, uh, Christopher Nolan's, um, Batman movie? I like this movie. I think definitely out of the three Batmans he's directed, this is definitely the best one. And I think it has everything to do with, like, the Joker itself. Like, the Joker's, like, just such an iconic villain. Um, And I think in this movie especially, he's the greatest foil to Batman. You know, Batman is this kind of, like, do-good. Like, he's violent, but he doesn't want to kill anyone. The Joker's, like, literally kills people so many times, doesn't care. Uh And the only thing he wants is, like, Batman's attention, (laughs) essentially. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Heath Ledger is just, like, amazing in this role. He really is um, incredible, yeah. Christian Bale, I feel like I like him better as Bruce Wayne than I do as Batman. Yeah. Uh, just because I feel like, I don't know, that voice he does, I just can't listen to it for that long. That's but true. also, like, just, I guess just to say, Batman is, like, my least favorite super superhero in general. Really? I don't know, I just think he's always been silly, like, he's got a lot of money, and he's just, like... I don't know. Just has never been a fan favorite of mine. I don't like mind Batman. I like definitely like this movie. I think my favorite parts are where Batman's not in it, but like, <laughs> like maybe that has something to do with it. I like like all the parts, you know, the opening scene, the scene where he yeah. talks to the people, the scene where he everyone thinks he's dead, the scene where he puts a fake Batman, hangs a fake Batman, like. All the Joker scenes are great, just because, like, they're unhinged. You don't know what he's going to do next. And I think, like, I remember the first time I was watching this, like, I was, like, twist and turns, like, keep coming, and I just didn't know, like, what to expect. Yeah, no, definitely, it's, like, a great opening with, um, everyone has the clown mask on. Yeah. And it turns out the Joker is one of the people who has a clown mask robbing the bang. Yeah, I think it's Um, also, like, 
like you don't know who's gonna survive because as the the robbery bank robbery keeps going like they each keep killing another one off Mm -hmm. and I think that also was like a nice a nice idea because it's like okay like not only is this bank robbery happening you don't know if they're gonna succeed but also you don't know who's gonna survive in the end and it's a great like introduction to you know the Joker and his you know cruelty and how like desperate he is to you know get away with things and also how smart he is mm-hmm. I, and this one too wait what did it win oscars for just uh, for heath ledger's performance i think heath ledger oh yeah no you're right uh heath ledger and best sound editing huh. i wouldn't say i noticed the sound editing but i guess that's a good thing i just feel like the whole uh actually this is one of the movies in my uh film and philosophy class that we had to watch so i was reading through what everyone had to say about it and basically, everyone's response was, Heath Ledger was good. It's a very dark movie, both, like, physically, like, yeah. how it looks, um, and, like, the content in it. Yeah, I do agree. This one's, I definitely, like, I don't know why Batman has to be, like, such, like, physically dark. Like, Gotham is literally, like, in this gray sepia tone-esque um, filter on, going on. But, yeah, there's a lot. Like, I, we get introduced to, Ra- like, Rachel, who's played by a different actress, and then the first movie, and then, you know, she dies. And we yep. also get, it's a lot of character introductions, actually, because we get Two-Face, who's actually, what's his name, Harvey Dent, who plays this <laughs> lawyer. I was really ingrained with the DC comics, like, growing up for some reason. So, like, yeah. Um, so I, like, definitely when I was watching it, I was like, oh, it's, like, he's actually, I remember, like, when the reveal was that he's Two-Face, I was like, oh, did oh I see gosh, that coming? That- should have seen that um, coming because it's the name, but <laughs> <laughs> those effects at the end with um, Harvey Dent, like that holds up so well. Where half of his face is like incinerated. Yeah, also like, like that's that still looks really good. And then the other shot I think is so funny is at the end when the Joker's walking away from the hospital, and there's a like a malfunction in Heath Ledger's like remote control that he's yeah, supposed yeah. to press. So like the joker stands there like pressing the button then all of a sudden it explodes and even though that wasn't supposed to happen like that pause between the explosion it makes the scene so much better yeah i just i feel like it adds more to the movie itself i don't know i just think it's like overall like a good superhero movie you know i think like you see batman grow as like a superhero and also as like a person you know he (laughs) understands like the weight where i feel like in the first movie it's more like him discovering, like, how to be a hero, and now it's, like, once he, once he's a hero, like, there are consequences for your actions, and yeah. also consequences, it's, like, oh, like, Rachel dies, and he's essentially created this villain in the end. Um, yeah. Which is terrible, but, yeah, I just, I liked it. I think it was a good growth on both parts and not just. <laughs> oh, it definitely, um, like, watching it made me really excited for Robert Pattinson's Batman, just because I want to see... I'm sure they'll do a, a different version of how um, Christian Bale's Batman was portrayed. Portrayed. Oh, whatever. Portrayed? Um, you know, yeah, you know what I mean. And definitely, I feel like the best superhero movie still of all time, I would say. I, I don't know. I have a, We can debate this on a later date. But I think definitely, like, the way characters are being built, great mm-hmm. movie. I do wish we had more of Rachel. Because I did, like, okay. in the first movie, I think, like, I was like, oh, cool, you know, like, because obviously this is a point, like, before we were having, like, mainstream female superheroes, but, like, uh-huh. essentially Rachel in this movie, like, she doesn't have such a big role. Like, she, yeah. you know, she's a lawyer, obviously, you know, she fights, and I understand that, and that's, like, great, but she goes from being, you know, like, 
Bruce Wayne's love interest to Harvey Dent's love interest to being a consequence of being Bruce Wayne slash Batman's love interest. And I'm just kind of like, you know, where was, you know, the beginning of, you know, Batman 1 when she's, you know, trying to stand up to, like, the, um, you know, mob? (laughs) (laughs) What happened to that? She's just, like, she's not quite as lawyery, I feel. And, like, obviously that's, like, there's a lot going on in this movie, but, you know, everyone else has, like, their due share. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's understandable. I I feel like the only thing, the only... no, well, this isn't a flaw on the movie's part, but this did inspire the idea of, like, oh, all of our superhero movies need to be, like, dark and gritty, which a lot of them don't do well. Yeah. Like, I'm just from that. Like, I was just watching Thor Ragnarok today. Mm-hmm. That's, like, bright and colorful, and it works just fine. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great movie. Yeah. yeah. And I'm I... trying to think, like, um, like, the DC Universe moving forward, like, oh, shoot, like, the Justice League movie, and... The Batman versus Superman, like, all trying to be, like, very much in the same vein as Dark Knight. And it's like, just don't try to copy at this point. Like, Christopher Nolan did it. He did it well. Yeah. He has a style in a way that I think, for some cases, like, worked with Batman. And, like, nothing, like, doesn't say dark and gritty. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I feel like his movies in general are, like, dark and gritty. Like, just the tones he uses. Mm-hmm. The one knock I will have against Christopher Nolan, though, in this, is I feel like he could have done better with the fight choreography. Just, yeah. like, the way it was edited, I feel like it was very obvious that those scenes were, like, very slow. I did like the introduction of the bat car, though. Or, yeah. Yeah, I really, I like that. The bat car was cool. And the, the bat motorcycle as well. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of Bruce Wayne's, like, his little uh, tools and, like, you know, how he gets around. Because he doesn't have superpowers, so it's just kind of like... How's he going to get there? <laughs> yeah. Because um, he meets people. What? Who's oh my, your favorite Batman? Oh, what's my favorite Batman? Yeah, like, who's, who's like, the best actor? Oh, oh gosh. Um, I feel like I haven't really seen that many iterations of Batman. I, growing up, really liked the... There was a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget. That might have been the version that um, Mark Hamill did, the Joker, the Joker voice for, but... I don't know. I'd have to think about it. Yeah. I grew up watching and going to Blockbuster and renting the the George Clooney Batmans, and that sentence just sounds, like, old in and of itself. But mm-hmm. I like the George Clooney movies, and I know that's a very controversial um, sentence, but I don't know. Like, like I like they gave us Robin. They gave us Batgirl. They gave us Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Iceman and... Um, Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy like these were great characters and it was like so campy and like extra and I think if I watch it now I might not like it but this is like all shield like you know shielded in my like nostalgia child brain where I'm like like I used to be obsessed with these movies like I would watch the one where Batgirl is introduced like four or five like five times just like a day like I was obsessed with (laughs) it oh my gosh I'll I'll have to watch those in because I haven't seen it oh I don't I don't think you'll like them they're like like George Clooney he wants it he's like he's afraid he ruined like the Batman just because, like, those movies were, like, no one liked them. Like, they were not critically acclaimed at all. I don't think they even made that much money. Like, they're definitely not up there. In cri- like, we're comparing Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight to George Clooney's Batman, and they obviously are not in the same game. But I think there's something, like, I enjoyed about those movies growing up that, you know, can't watch this. I do say, I was like, this movie... Um, I remember I wanted to go see it in theaters. My parents wouldn't let me, and I saw this, like, little boy go see it, and I was so pissed. Oh. 
Oh my gosh, like, wait, how old were you? I don't know, this movie came out, what, 2008? No. Yeah. 2008, um, that was 12 years ago, so I was like 10. Oh my gosh, I feel like, I don't know, it might be hard to show a 10-year-old this movie. I don't think I would. I don't know. I just think about that little boy, and I'm like, he was a boy, he got to see it, because it's a comic book movie. Couldn't see it. Yeah. Oh, wait, okay, so I think my favorite Batman is from the the Batman in the Lego movie. Oh, that's, he's pretty Played funny. I do like that. Barnett, that yeah, was a really funny role. And actually, in, like, the Lego Batman movie, they kind of get the character really well. Yeah, no, he's a good, um, Lego Batman's a good Batman. And it's amazing. And also, like, the Joker's codependency on Batman. It was yeah. hilarious. Like, a movie's a good one. A good one. Yeah. Any last comments on this um, on this classic film bro movie? Okay. The, uh, the last comment I'll say is, it really annoys me how Batman or Bruce Wayne's building is just, like, black in the middle of a city that it just does not match. Like, the city planning there was atrocious. That is and, true. And there should have been zoning laws to prevent Batman or Bruce Wayne from doing that, but you know, since he's the richest, he can just do whatever the hell he wants, and it makes the city skyline look horrible. Yeah, I, that's not something I thought about, but I can see, you know, the, the de- it's in the details, Claire. Oh, yes. Yes. And our final film bro movie is The Social Network, and we've had some controversy. As I've told people, this was our film, film bro movie, and everyone was like, this isn't a film bro movie, you know, it doesn't have the, you know, fandom behind it. And, but if you listen to our definition of what a film bro movie is, I feel like this ticks the boxes. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's directed by David Fincher. It's, um, written by, um, oh my god, how did I forget his name? Guy who wrote West Wing. Oh, um, Aaron Sorkin. Sorkin. And, like, those two don't make it a film bro movie, but I think the combination of them <laughs> makes it. Because a lot of people, like, this has been critically acclaimed. I've heard so many people just kind of be like, oh, like, this is the best movie there is. And oh, including Quentin Tarantino the other day. Who recently saw that. And, look, this is obviously a well-written movie. It's very well done. Is it, like, my favorite movie ever? Are there barely any scenes um, that don't involve Mark Zuckerberg? Yeah. <laughs> like, this is about, <laughs> if you don't know what the movie is about, it's about, you know, the beginning of Facebook, and it's centered around kind of how Facebook began, and then also there's, like, three lawsuits that are happening back and forth in between it and I thought like that was a good way of telling the story but I feel like the people how we're characterized in this in this movie make it a film bro (laughs) I don't know Claire do you agree yeah no I completely agree um I think like the film bro-ness comes out when I was just like reading the different interpretations like okay so after I finished watching the movie I was I googled Film bro, social network, just to see what would what would come up. Yeah, and there was some woman who wrote like a thesis on how women were portrayed within the movie, and That's they true. said like the there's the bitch who won't get with me, the crazy girlfriend, or like the oversexualized and objectified college girls. Agreed. Which is true. Which is true. The, like the character, the women characters, like there's kind of no respect for them given, especially like Mark Zuckerberg creates. Um, a page where you can, like, rate the girls. Yeah, um, that was so gross. But anyway... <laughs> it's the beginning of the movie. <laughs> yeah, that was the very beginning of the movie. So anyway, there's a comment section. I was reading the comment section, and all the, like, the film bros were like, you're totally missing the point in the movie. And I just feel like, I don't know, like, these o- online male users who are fighting against, like, 
people who are just giving their opinions like that's sort of where i find yeah the bro the film bronus to be within this movie that like someone can't just talk about this movie and be like oh hey like i just thought this was interesting how this was portrayed and then like they're automatically labeled crazy feminist which yeah. is just like preposterous you know and if we're talking about like how women in, are portrayed i think the only movie we mentioned that has a really main female character that has a bit more to do um, has to be Star Wars with Leia. Oh, yeah. Because even, you know, Scarface, I think the main three women is Gina, his sister, his mom, and his wife. And they're not, you know, they don't, they're not given this, the screen time or kind of like the screenplay that they need to grow as a character. They're kind of just seen as like his mother that's angry with him his sister who doesn't want to listen to him, and his wife that doesn't respect him and doesn't yeah. want him. No, I was going to say, that's such a good point, because, like, in a lot of movies, like, women are characterized in, like, one of those three ways. Or, yeah. Like, one of those ways relating to, like, the main male character as, like, wife or mother yeah. or, I don't know, sister. And then we talk, we talk about Dark Knight with Rachel, and then if you think about Reservoir Darks, there is, I literally, <laughs> they talk about a, a waitress... And the woman who ended up shooting, um, who ended, Mr. Orange got shot, was shot by a woman who has zero lines in the movie at all. Um, mm-hmm. So this is just kind of its, its own thing. And if you think about, like, why these movies are kind of, like, kind of, you know, honored, it's like there aren't, like, there aren't by men, not as much by women, is because women don't see themselves in these movies. And even, mm-hmm. like, in the social network, like, I understand why he had these characters. Because the whole point was to show you know, oh, like, Mark, you know, he doesn't connect with people, you know, he's not nice to women, he doesn't do that, but it's, like, unfortunate where you have to kind of show, show kind of how a male character is, is, like, how he is or how he's going to evolve or not evolve through kind of the degradation of, of women, and also, like, in addition, like, there are no, a ton of characters in any of the films you mentioned that have any people of color, one I could think about right now is in Reservoir Dogs, the main cop who kind of coaches Mr. Orange. He's in it, but... And Lando in Star Wars. Uh-huh. Social Network, even the guy who... Um, oh, I don't know his name, but he's with, with like, Army Hammer, the twins. He's supposed to be Indian. He's not. That's actually... That's not an Indian actor. Oh, I did not... I didn't even look into that. That's no? a good... A good yeah, so even, like, and you think about Scarface in and of itself, like, these are, these characters, these movies don't always include, kind of, the diversity that they need. And all, like, some of these movies do, but, you know, not in, you know, the film bro world <laughs> doesn't usually happen. Those are exceptions, yeah. not the rule, I think mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to say. But I feel like we should go back into the social network. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. Uh, no, I think we mentioned this before, but, like, really great writing... Yeah, they talk so fast in this movie. And I read, um, so I, like, watched this YouTube video about how Aaron Sorkin wrote The Social Network, because he did end up winning an Oscar for the screenplay for this movie. Was It was, it's, like, I think, like, 170 pages long or something like that. Oh, my where gosh. It's, it's really, really long for, you know, a movie. And David Fincher, they wanted to take, like, 30 pages out. David Fincher was like, no, that's not how it's going to happen. Um, <laughs> he's like, we need to have all the pages. And he had... Aaron Sorkin read out like every single scene in like the pace it was going to happen and time it and showed people like showed the executives like oh like it's see it's under two hours even though there's like all this dialogue and watching Mm -hmm. the movies like you can like yeah there's a rhythm to it which I think is really cool 
But yeah, they talk so fast. Yeah, um, just because they want to show, like, obviously, like, how fast Mark Zuckerberg is thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, um, okay, but Jesse Eisenberg, like, has such a hateable face. He does. I was going to ask if you ended up liking Mark Zuckerberg at all, like, if you oh, sympathized for no. him as a character. Okay. I didn't like him in the beginning when he was being mean to his girlfriend. I agree. Um, actually, I wrote in my notes... Am I supposed to feel bad for him? Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. He's a dick. I don't think you are. I think, like, that whole scene, it's nine pages long in the script where, you know, they're talking, and she says at the end, like, you're an asshole. I don't think you're supposed to. I think you're just, like, I was reading about, like, also, like, how he wrote it, and he said he wanted to show, because that post he wrote, like, on his blog is, like, an actual post that did happen. He's like, okay, what happened before this to make him be so angry at this woman obviously yeah. had this whole conversation but yeah you didn't like him then you didn't like him when he was you know talking shit about her online you didn't like uh-huh. it when he was you know comparing those women i think when i first saw this movie when i was younger like i didn't necessarily like think about these things a lot i was just like oh like we're so he's a main character we're supposed to root for him you know he's trying to make facebook this is what's supposed to happen and i think like as i got older i was realizing no like these are kind of sexist and gross things that he's doing like, you shouldn't yeah. root for him just because he's the main character. Really, the character I ended up feeling the worst for was um, Eduardo. Yeah, I felt bad for Eduardo as well. Just because, like, I really like Andrew Garfield. I know. This is um, my first introduction to him. Um, I think I saw this movie in theaters, actually. But um, oh, really? that scene oh. where he, you know, is yelling at Mark Zuckerberg and he's talking about how he's going to sue him, that became... Mm-hmm. Did you see, like... Um, these two actors, like, redid it <laughs> during quarantine. It was actually pretty funny. I'll, I'll try to remember um, if I tell you who it is. But that scene's pretty iconic. Yeah. Do you, you know, oh, and Army Hammer does a really good job. He does. Army Hammer, like, it was hard because, like, um, he was, he's twins in this movie. And he plays both of them. But I guess he had, like, a physical stand-in. But, yeah, he's good in this movie, too. He plays the Wicklewassons, which are, like, you know white rich men <laughs> you don't really sympathize with them either and no, they're, they think you know that they created facebook and they're seeing mark zuckerberg but like i don't know i don't really think they created facebook in like the way the movie shows it um mm-hmm. just from like what's happening but yeah yeah but I, my favorite scene in all of this is uh there's one crew race scene that they're in yeah, and that's... i forget the song playing over i think it's called like the mountain troll song i could have that totally wrong yeah it's something to do with the mountain uh, but I love the way that movie, sh- or that scene is shot. Yeah, I did like the crew. The when they're mm-hmm. going in, um, I guess, I don't know, wherever the Boston, whatever river they're rowing in. Because uh, they're really intense, and they're also, like, physically, like, Army Hammer's physically really tall, but also for this movie, they have to be, like, kind of physically intimidating. So yeah. that was, like, really fun to play into that. Um, um, and I feel like just in the end, like, he's just alone. Like, I, I literally wrote him in, it's like, this is just the rise of a, like, the rise of power of a lonely man. Like, he doesn't get any more friends with Facebook. You know, he creates Facebook in order to, I feel like, connect with people, yet he's never able to connect with anyone in the film. Yeah, you know? and that's kind of, like, still very true about Facebook today, I feel like. Yeah, well, Facebook is, like, a weird, it's in a weird thing right now. Like, it was popular, and then it wasn't popular, but now it's, like, popular with older generations. It's a whole thing. Yeah, I, just this movie overall does not put Mark Zuckerberg in a good light at all. Oh, I like, yeah, I 100% agree. And honestly, it didn't take, 
like, I don't need much convincing to, like, not like Mark Zuckerberg in general. That's true. And I feel like now, this, yeah. Like, it reminds me of, like, yeah, I really don't like Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, I think when it came out, people were kind of, like, you know, didn't like Mark Zuckerberg. I feel like if you definitely rewatch this now with what's going on with Facebook and with Mark Zuckerberg, like, y- there's no way you could. Yeah. Especially, like, with uh, him saying that... Facebook, it's not their responsibility to, like, check fake news, things like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. It's always something with Mark Zuckerberg. Um, <laughs> oh, and um, what's his face is in this movie? Um, Justin Timberlake. Justin Timberlake. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he I plays um, Napster founder. He's yeah. also introduced in, like, an unnecessary way. Like, he's, oh, like, like he's in bed with, with yeah, with Dakota Johnson, who, mm-hmm. like, like, there's no, like, yeah, and she's just, like, half-naked, um, you know, talks about Facebook, and he's like, oh, I have to do it. And I'm like, no offense, that was, like, a dumb way to introduce him. Like, you're just, It was like, kind of funny, though, um, when she's in the shower, and he's like, there's a snake in here, Amy, and then she comes running out. Yeah. I guess, like, there are some humor, but I feel like the whole point was that he just basically used just a, a woman to introduce Facebook to him. Yeah. I don't know. I like him. I think I just like I like Dakota Johnson, and she was like underused. Yeah, no, Dakota Johnson. Like she's in literally the one scene, but like she's really good in a lot of the things she's in. Yeah, just feel like you know. Also, Brenda Song's in this movie. Right. Oh my gosh. Okay, so rewatching it, I totally forgot about her character, but she's really like she plays it really well. Yeah, I but, like, think once again, I... she is playing like the girlfriend who's like, oh, she's crazy. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. Um, and then I remember, like, when I first watched this movie, I think Brenda Song was, like, my pull. <laughs> I was like, Brenda Song's in this movie, like, let's go. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I do like this movie a lot, though. I think... Like, it's really yeah. easy to watch. I agree. I think it, it's well done. I think it also suffers from the dark palette syndrome mm-hmm. that the dark knight yeah. suffers from. There's not a lot of bright colors. Not that, not that there necessarily has to be in a movie, but also, like... I don't know. It just has, like, a... Like, I feel like it just also has to have, happen with, like, David Fincher movies as well. If it's now, like, I'm thinking about it. Like, he mm-hmm. tends to have, like, a darker palette, which is, you know, a filmmaker's own. It's not yeah. quite as fun to watch when you don't have as much, like, brightness, I feel. But no, maybe it's that- interesting because I feel like all the scenes, like, I wrote down, they were able to make them feel cold and warm at the same time. Yeah, I guess it does add to the coldness. I don't think, I don't really feel anything, like, warm. I definitely felt like, like, you have the cold, like, distance. Like, physically like, and also, I, you know, Yeah, I, the way I was thinking about it was, like, all the se- scenes were supposed to feel cold, like the snow and, like, uh, the stone buildings. Yeah. But there was something about them, just, like, the way they were shot, it all felt warm. Like, I really liked it. I was like, I don't know how you're doing this, but I, I'm here for it. Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, we hope you enjoyed our Film Bro list. Let us know what some of your, you know, if you liked these, if you think they're Film Bro movies, if you think there are other ones that are Film Bro movies, we could add to this list. This is fun to talk about. feel like we can definitely do it again sometime. Oh, yeah. We could have um, a Film Bro part two. Yes. <laughs> that would definitely yeah. be fun. Well, thanks so much for listening. You know, stay safe. Have a good, you know, day, night, whatever. <laughs> Bye.